Welcome to The Indicator, which is a collaboration between KGNU Community Radio and the Colorado Independent. It's a weekly podcast that takes a look at the very important governor's race here in Colorado. And today, Mike Litwin is our guest. And Mike, it is election day, so just a few hours until the polls close. How are you feeling? Excited. I love election day. Election days are like, uh, they're like the Super Bowl and the World Series. They're, they're, they're the, you've been slogging away for months and months and months, sometimes years, and finally we get to find out who wins and loses. And we'll likely have results pretty early, given that there have been so many ballots already returned. I think certainly over one and a half million at this point on Tuesday afternoon returned to the Secretary of State's office. And it seems pretty fairly evenly divided between Democrats and Republicans and, of course, then the independents or the unaffiliated. Well, yeah, it's not surprising that it's pretty close between Democrats and Republicans. The real question is, that's only two-thirds of the vote. How's the other third of the vote go? And that's that's how you win elections in Colorado. So you wouldn't expect either party to uh, to really be that far ahead between the two of them. Trump has been out canvassing and uh, stumping for for Republicans all around the country, but he has not come to Colorado. Mike Pence did make one appearance in Colorado, but it was a private fundraising event. What do you think the impact of Donald Trump and the administration is going to be here in Colorado in our midterm elections? Well, that's the question. I mean, Donald Trump has nationalized the race, which uh, and has made it all midterms are a referendum on the presidency, but he's made it He's made all the races, governor's races, county commissioner's races, dog catcher's races about him. So the question is, even though we never showed up in Colorado, how much will that Trump effect, which, you know, being here is not nearly as important anymore as how much is on TV and who's watching what cable channels. So he's going to be here. He'll be the he'll be the uh, something that that oversees the whole the whole mess. The question is. The question is, what will it mean? And for Republicans in Colorado, they are in bad shape as Democrats are nationally. This is a critical race for Republicans here in Colorado. And unfortunately for them, they're facing the same kind of headwinds that, that it looks like Republicans are facing nationally. Well, let's look at a couple of different districts here in Colorado where the Trump effect could have a very different impact in Colorado's 6th Congressional District, Mike Kaufman, the Republican, has fended off very strong Democrats in previous races, from former Speaker of the House Andrew Romanoff to, of course, Morgan Carroll, a leader in the Democratic Party as well. And he's fended them off. But this year, it looks like the Trump effect will could potentially unseat Mike Kaufman. Well, <clears throat> if you're an anti-Trumpist, if, if that's what you are, and you think that your vote is about Donald Trump, and it's not about it's not about Mike Kaufman. It's not about Jason Crow. Mike Kaufman has been as anti-Trump as almost any Republican in the House. But it doesn't matter. It hasn't changed anything in the House, whether he votes with Donald Trump or whether he votes against him, whether he's there with him on Medicare or I mean on Obamacare or whether he's against them, whether he's with them on DACA or against them. It doesn't make any difference so long as he's in the Republican Party, which is in control. The only way to change that 
is to change control of the House. So that's what he's up against. If you're an anti-Trumpist and you live in CD6, it doesn't really matter much what you think of Mike Coffin, and a majority of the district likes him. But what it matters is how will the House deal with Donald Trump and will the Democrats retake the majority there? It's a very interesting district and incredibly diverse, particularly if you look at the city of Aurora. And so many immigrant communities have been playing very prominent roles in the election of uh, Mike Kaufman over the years. And I know that the Ethiopian community and the Eritrean community have been very supportive largely of Kaufman. But we're seeing a younger generation in those communities seemingly booking that trend and, and that could change things. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I really don't think it's about Kaufman. I think it's all about Donald Trump. And um, you know, you're seeing this trend across the country where where suburban districts in that uh, first of all that Hillary Clinton carried in two thousand sixteen, which she did in C D six, and in in other districts that are close with the with the large women's vote and highly educated vote, you're seeing those districts swing toward Democrats. If those districts do swing toward Democrats, then Democrats will win back the House. If they don't, they won't. If they don't win CD6, Democrats won't win the House. It's as simple as that. It's really not about Mike Kaufman. Well, Colorado's third congressional district on the Western Slope, uh, Trump's platform is seeing is supported, I I imagine, more. And uh, that's where Scott Tipton is seeking his fifth term in the House. And that's a very conservative leaning district. Would the Trump effect have a more positive impact there? Well, that's 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 a huge question. No one really knows the answer. Again, that's a that's a uh, district where you could see the Trump effect go against. Depends what tariffs mean in that district. It depends on, you know, it depends on, in large part, do people like the way Trump runs his presidency? His ratings across the country are something like 40 to 42 percent. So that means the majority of people, a significant majority of people, are not approving of how Trump is running the country. This is not unusual. Uh, Ronald Reagan in his first midterm was way under 50, and Barack Obama was way under 50, and, and Bill Clinton was way under 50, and all of them got crushed in the House in the midterms. Well, what about the governor's race here? Because I know Jared Polis, a Democrat, and uh, Walker Stapleton, the Republican, were out and about last night in some kind of last minute rallying the base events. Jared Polis was at an event here in Boulder. Is the Trump effect going to impact the governor's race? Well, here's what, what you have to know. In the closing argument in the last night of electioneering, Walker Stapleton was calling Polis Bernie Polis, and Polis was calling Walker Stapleton Trump's yes man. Do we elect a Donald Trump yes man, Walker Stapleton? No. Or do we elect a governor that will always stand up to this president or any president? So I think that tells you everything about the nationalization of this race. It's it's again, it's not a it's not so much about the state issues. You've seen Polis, I believe pretty much sit on his lead on his on his polling lead and you've seen you've seen um 
Stapleton run against Polis is radical and extreme, which is why he's calling him Bernie Polis. So it's 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 you know I think this race is very much nationalized. What I'm interested in, because I think Polis, I, I'd be stunned if Polis doesn't win. What I'm interested in is the down ballot races where Republicans generally dominate, and I think you're going to see that. I know that uh, Wayne Williams, as Secretary of State, is very nervous right now, and I know that uh, the George Brock- Brockler um, AG race is is right now considered to be a toss-up. I mean, there's been no public polling on these things, so there's some guesswork from what the campaigns are saying, though. It looks like those races are toss-up, and I think that's where you'd see this um, this Trump effect, meaning if people are going to vote Democratic, if that's in fact what happens, if this blue wave hits a purplish-blue state and the purple color starts to disappear, then, you, you know, people don't generally split tickets. So I think you'll see those guys could be in trouble. Now, I'm not saying this will happen. I'm saying if this happens, if the blue wave hits, I think it could go all the way down on the ballot. Well, it is a big ballot. There are many statewide races. There are many local House, state Senate races. And then, of course, all the statewide ballot measures as well. And we've discussed many of those over the course of the last few weeks on the indicator. What are some of the races you're really closely paying attention to, Mike, that you think are most interesting? Well, you know, 112, the referendums, 112 and and 74 are are fascinating and and. They show, I believe, some of the weaknesses of the of the initiative system. That um, we've got we've got two uh, areas in which there should have been ways to uh, ways to compromise. And I, I and I've been sort of surprised that oil and gas hasn't sought out a compromise because eventually they're going to lose one of these races. I don't think they'll lose this time. But eventually, they're going to lose one of these races. And it seems to me that it's in their interest to figure out a compromise that will work, and which is possible, I think, if, uh, if, if, if one party has all three going. So it seems odd that the Democrats might be the one to compromise. But if they push hard for, um, for local control with still giving still giving uh, reasonable setbacks for the oil um, and gas people, you could see some sort of compromise happen. But these, these two ballot issues, you know, if they both pass, it will, be, it will be crazy time in Colorado. and It will be a lot of people trying to figure out what the heck all this means, and nobody really knows. I mean, you've been, you hear all kinds of competing Arguments, but most of those arguments that you hear are on thirty-second uh, ads. So, what what these things truly mean, and how disastrous one or the other might be, I think that there's you know real concerns about both. And I haven't I haven't written very much about either because I, in a lot of ways I don't feel I don't feel comfortable in my role as a columnist advising anybody on things that I'm so uncertain about myself. 
Well, you're talking there about Prop 112 increased setbacks in Amendment 74 and uh, the Colorado Independent has done extensive coverage on that and I'll refer people to previous episodes of The Indicator, Indicator where we've talked a lot about what both of those things could mean. But what about the governor's race and its impact on that? Because Walker Stapleton and Jared Polis have both come out against Prop 112. However, Jared Polis has quite an interesting background when it comes to fracking, having led an effort to further regulate fracking several years ago. That basically fell apart and he was very much criticised by environmentalists here. However, a lot of people are saying, well, if he was to become governor, things could be a little bit different, more different than, say, John Hickenlooper, who was largely supportive of the oil and gas industry. Well, I think that's true. I think that um, that Polis would play a different role. And I think that uh, oil and gas is very nervous about this. But I think one thing you should note, and this is very, very important, that Polis came out against 112, which is a 2,500-foot setback. He was ready to spend millions of dollars to push to push an amendment that would have made a 2,000-foot setback. So why why has he changed today? Why is he against the 2500 when he was pushing so hard for the 2000, which he finally backed down at the behest of, of John Hickenlooper, basically. So what is, what is the difference there? And why have the oil and gas people not spent money to defeat Polis? They've spent money on 112 instead. And I think that's because they believe that they can deal with Polis. And I think that, and I think that's, that's where we are right now. That uh, because otherwise, if they were if they were scared to death of Polis, which they might have been two years ago or four years ago, then I think you would have seen them all in for Walker Stapleton. And you haven't seen that. We're speaking with Mike Litwin of the Colorado Independent, The Indicator, which is a weekly podcast, a collaboration between KGNU and the Colorado Independent. And it is election day, so we're doing, I suppose, a wrap up of the bumper ballot that Colorado voters have been deciding on with just a few hours to go before the polls close. Well, we mentioned, um, Mike, that there are so many other races. You talked about the attorney general's race and how it's very close between the Democrat Phil Weiser and uh, George Brockler, who's a Republican candidate. There's also the Secretary of State's race with Wayne Williams and Jenna Griswold. Wayne Williams, a Republican. And uh, the Treasurer's race as well. And then there's a CU Regent at Large race as well. A lot of times we just don't get the voter turnout for midterm elections. People don't always vote very consciously, if at all, on these races. But do you think that these races are going to have a, you know, that down ballot impact? Are we going to see an impact now on some of these other races that typically people tend to not turn out and pay attention to? Well, they don't turn out and pay attention to and they don't typically vote in midterm elections. And we're expecting to see... Uh, the vote be much higher this year than it was in 2014, which was a which was a down year for uh, turnout. So we're expecting to see more. And if people have the ballots, they tend to vote on you know on as many of the things as they can possibly understand. So uh, yeah, of course, of course, it will have an effect. And um, and again, this is worrying for Republicans who are already facing a lot of trouble in the state. I mean, you know, everyone knows how rarely they win the governor's race, and um, and every but everyone knows that that Republicans have a one 
seat advantage in the state Senate. And if they lose that advantage, then then Democrats will control the House, the Senate, and assuming they win the governorship, they'll 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 control all three, which would mean an entirely different way the state is run, an entirely different way in which we look at um, how money is spent. It, it will be entirely different. So, so I know I know of some Democrats uh, who um, not in the state legislature, but other Democrats who are a little concerned about um, taking control of all three and worry that what can happen in this time is is what voters consider overreach. So if the voters in Colorado are basically centrist as a whole, they're not centrist individually, but they're centrist as a whole. So when when it's seen that, you, that you've overstepped as maybe, I mean, the a lot of voters did when Democrats passed gun control in, um, that was 2013, 14, which was it? Uh, and uh, and were cons- back in 2006 when when Republicans were uh, on culture issues all all day, all night, and and people thought they had overstepped, and you saw a move back towards the middle, and you saw split legislatures again. So if Democrats figuring that Donald Trump will run in 2020 will help them again. If they figure they can increase their majorities, there is some concern about some of the wise heads. And I'm not saying I agree with this. I think that um, I think that's sort of panic in advance. But there is some concern that if Democrats controlled all levers of government, that they could overstep what is seen as, um, you know, the, the middle ground in Colorado. There has been so much discussion over the last few elections on how much money exactly is getting spent in these elections. And it was a big issue in certainly the primary race with Jared Polis pouring so much of his own fortune into his own campaign. How has this uh, midterm election here panned out, particularly for some of the statewide races and, and Prop 112 and Amendment 74, as we said, there's a lot of money being pumped in by the oil and gas industry on both sides of, of both of those issues. But in terms of the governor's race, are we seeing outside groups? Are we seeing a lot of outside interest and that translating into money being spent in these races? Well, money is being spent. I mean, you just have to turn on your TV set and all you see is Walker Stapleton and Jared Polis ads or and 112 ads against anti-112 ads. But, you know, there there's an obscene amount of money being spent. We're not... We're not nearly the worst uh, abuser of that. I mean, if you look at money being spent in other states, it far surpasses what's being spent in Colorado. But, you know, as one who can say, I think money in politics is, is a bad thing and that we should try to reduce money in politics as much as possible, yeah, I'd say we're spending obscene amounts of money and it, and most of it is on TV ads and most of those TV ads are are <laughs> many of them I should say are terrifyingly bad and um, I don't know how they find so many uh, grainy shots of uh, of candidates <laughs> the uh, the anti-polis pictures are uh, you know there should be some somebody should do a big collage of just the you know the bad expressions that they have polis in those uh, in those anti-polis ads so yeah I think I think, we spend way too much money. We don't spend nearly as much money as some other states. And um, but I, there, there's there's 
too little that we can do about it with um, the way the Supreme Court has ruled, and the Supreme Court is very likely to rule to make it even harder to limit uh, campaign funds, I'm guessing. Well, there's a lot of money also being spent in some of the House races as well in the Colorado State Senate, particularly in some of the key races that could actually swing the Senate to Democrats. I mean, of course, this is part of the wider trend where we're just seeing more and more money getting spent and it's trickling down to even more local and local races. Well, well, I mean, that that race, those races are hugely important and uh, control of the legislature is a big battle being being fought by Democrats across the country because Republicans dominate legislatures across the country. They dominate the governor's races. Democrats are expected to take back a lot of those. They dominate the legislatures. And so a lot of money is being spent everywhere. And if, you know, if, if what you, if you're looking for, uh, for a democratic government in Colorado, a one-seat difference in the state senate. As I said, it, it changes everything in how in how money will be spent and how programs will be made. What it will mean for uh, you know for pre-K and and what it will mean for a, a full-day kindergarten and what it will mean for um, for how how uh, we look at the various what we used to call the, the thicket. I don't know what we call it these days. And uh, try to, you know, how much of Tabor can be undone. All those things will matter if Democrats win one more seat. And so Republicans are desperate to keep that, keep that one seat majority, and Democrats are equally desperate to win it. So just like, in the, just like in the Electoral College, you see that three or four races will determine who wins the Senate. So They've concentrated all their money and all their effort on those three or four races. So that's that's how the money works. And, um, you know, uh, the the Democrats, as Republicans like to say, started the big money in uh, legislative races in Colorado with uh, with the stealth attack and the gang of four. But um, if that's true, every. They've all caught up now. There's there's a lot of parity in overspending. Well, Mike, you've covered more elections than you probably care to count. But uh, what have been the big surprises for you in this particular midterm race here in Colorado? Well, there have been there have been no surprises yet because we have not know who's going to win. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> the uh, you know we had the there were the um, the primary races went pretty much as we expected them to. And um, on a lot of the on a lot of the state races, there's very little polling. So I don't know what's going to happen with 112. I don't know what's going to happen with 74. I don't know what's going to happen with 73. I don't know what's going to happen with the down ballot races. I don't know what's going to happen in the state Senate. I mean, there's so much out there that's unclear. And I think that's true across the nation. Uh, I mean, the New York Times, Siena College did these live polls of uh, close U.S. House races across the country. And how many races were two points or three points? It was just stunning. I mean, this never happens. You just don't see that happening. By this point, you should have already seen those races settle in the seven and eight point, and that'd be a rare minority of races to be, you know, to be real battleground races. But um, 
We're seeing, we'll see a lot of those in Colorado. We, there's a very good chance. What would not be surprising is if we don't know tonight who has control of the state Senate. And then, of course, so much of this is the numbers and for people to get out and vote. And so many people looking at groups that haven't traditionally turned out in the numbers that the different parties would hope. And millennials and young people being one of that. I mean, do you think we're going to get the numbers to the polls to really, well, to satisfy the people who need them to come out? But, you know, what, what, what's your thoughts now? What are your thoughts in terms of voter turnout? Well, we can look at early voting, and in early voting, there has been uh, a lot of the, the there's been a lot of voting, and a lot more younger people voting early than they have in the past. Does that mean they're voting earlier, or does it mean that more people are voting? We won't know that until tonight. And the same is for the Latino vote. It's um, there has been earlier voting, but the, it could also be a question of that we're getting more and more used to mail voting. So maybe more and more people are sending in mail ballots than have before. So some of those numbers might not be as revealing as we think they are. Uh, so again, this is, this is hard to know until you see it. I mean, the betting is that these, are, that these numbers are good for Democrats, that more, younger, more young people are turning out and that more Latinos are turning out. But again, we're not going to know what those numbers are until we see the final numbers. And where are you going to be spending your election nights? So I'll be at the uh, Democratic uh, Victory Party. I've been at a lot of strange victory parties. I was at the, I was at the Howard Dean Victory Party when he did his, uh, when he did his famous uh, "We'll win in Colorado, we'll win in South Dakota" uh, speech. So I've been at a couple of strange victory parties where, where people, well. I mean, 2016, I guess, was as strange as any, right? <laughs> Everyone thought that uh, Hillary Clinton was going to beat Donald Trump and Donald Trump lost. I mean, Donald Trump won. So I think every pundit, every pollster has, you know, there's definitely been a Trump effect on us. We worry about saying too much too soon because I know I said a hundred times that there was no possible way from everything that I know about politics in the 250 years I've been covering it that Donald Trump could ever win. So having been that wrong, it's hard to trust your instincts in looking at the very next race. I mean, we know what it looks like, but we don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm excited myself. I, I love the I said. I love this night. I, I, I tell this story a lot. I was, I, was in, I was in Grant Park the night that Obama won and uh, gave his speech there, and it was in Chicago, and it was you know, one of the most memorable nights in politics I've ever covered. But the junkie that I am, I kept thinking, boy, I wish I was back in the office, which is where the real fun is on uh, – on election night and where, you know, you get to eat bad pizza and everybody's running around making bad predictions. And and so for a junkie, I mean, as I am, this is the night of nights. Well, don't party too hard. And we'll see what the <laughs> Democrats will be celebrating at their victory party, if right. at all. It's all, all at remains all. to be seen. Yep. 
Well, Mike Litwin, you can read all of his coverage of the midterm elections online at coloradoindependent.com. Catch uh, The Indicator wherever you get your podcasts and cover what's happening this evening. The Colorado Independent will be bringing us live results throughout the night as well. Mike Litwin, thanks so much. Thank you. You've been listening to The Indicator, a weekly collaboration between KGNU Community Radio and the award-winning journalists at the Colorado Independent. For KGNU, I'm Maeve Conroy.